And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This headline podcast is presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Breaking news from The Athletic. This is Meg Linehan here from The Athletic, and I'm joined by fellow women's soccer writer Steph Young today, actually in person, to discuss Monday's announcement that Carly Lloyd will retire from the U.S. women's national team this fall after four final matches in September and October, as well as finishing out the NWSL season with Gotham FC. Lloyd currently has 312 appearances for the United States. She's played in four World Cups with two wins there and four Olympic Games, played for five different head coaches, and scored 128 career goals, including two in the U.S. Women's National Team's bronze medal win at the Tokyo Olympics this summer. Here's Steph and I trying to break down her legacy. So let's start with Carly Lloyd's legacy with the U.S. Women's National Team. Obviously, 2015 is going to be, I think, the definitive moment that people talk about in her career. Obviously, I mean, her World Cups go back to 2007, though, which was not necessarily a very successful (laughs) World Cup for the U.S. Women's National Team, but then missing a penalty in the final in 2011, getting that kind of moment of redemption in the 2015 final, being that player (laughs) for the U.S. Women's National Team, for the later stages of the the 2015 tournament and then 2019 as well with her role changing obviously getting a lot of attention around that but 20 I, I do want to talk about 2015 just because you were at the stadium I was watching in a plaza in Boston I just even remember being in this huge crowd outside at City Hall and every as each goal came the reaction just everyone was both bewildered and completely in love. I mean, I have never seen a crowd react like that. And by the time the third goal hits too, which is that long range effort, it was just people were in complete disbelief. What was it like in that stadium? I've honestly blacked out a lot of it because it was just so, it was like hectic and loud and just, it kept coming. Like there was, it was unrelenting, Mm -hmm. right? Which I'm sure... (laughs) The other team also felt it was quite (laughs) unrelenting. Um, I think I remember just sitting there because I was like scribbling down notes as well, which is a very nerdy thing to do at a World Cup final where you're not actually accredited. Like I wasn't in the press box. I was there as a fan. Um, And I just remember like just sitting down and being like, I don't need to take notes anymore. Right. (laughs) The game's over. This is the story. Um, I think... I don't know. I think I was a little bit unique at that time in that I was also really tired, so the 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 real the hype and the mania coming from the crowd didn't quite cross that barrier for me, but I do remember it people were losing their minds all around me just and I was like, Oh, okay. It's gonna be party time in Vancouver. Right. I do think, you know, we should maybe also start with the fact that Carly Lloyd is now one of the few players that will hit 300 appearances for this U.S. women's national team. That's that's probably a feat that's never 
really going to happen again, I think, at this point, in terms of how long. I think there's maybe a couple, you know, Alex Morgan might have a shot at it, depending on, on how it goes, but, like, it that is a very hard thing to do <laughs> at this point in the game. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't just require a federation that schedules a, a ton of games. It requires someone to have been in the game for... So Carlo is 39 now, and she got her start with the U.S. in, like, 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's on, it looks like, 312 caps. And so, yeah, it requires... God, 2005. It's bad when you start having trouble doing the math <laughs> on counting back to what the year was, because you're like... 2005 oh that was three years ago it's right right but that is indeed what 16 years ago if that sounds right yeah sure we'll go with that 16 years 312 caps over 16 years so if you average it out it's still quite a lot of activity so it's all the factors that combined to her own longevity her um usefulness to the team right Mm because you can be on the team for a while and at the same amount of time and not necessarily get the same number of caps as well. Um, and then, yeah, the confluence of that with a federation that does schedule quite a lot of games, particularly the Chasing Mia era. Yes, yes, that was clearly a factor. I, I think the other part of Carly Lloyd, too, is, you know, obviously longevity is a huge part of that, and that is a little bit of a double-edged sword, especially with this team where... There was a real push, especially ahead of this Olympics, in terms of players coming up and being ready for the Olympic Games that just happened this summer. But you also have the basically the entirety of the 2019 Women's World Cup team still fighting for a roster spot. And there was a lot said about age, about who should be on this team in terms of form and all of this kind of stuff. And what I did always find really interesting is, you know, we, we can coach from a distance right but ultimately we are not seeing what head coach Flacco Andonofsky is seeing in training and in terms of what he's getting from club coaches and all that sort of stuff but in terms of Carly Lloyd getting those two goals in the (laughs) bronze medal match against Australia it did I think that was maybe a moment that allowed some new perspective maybe. I want to ask you a question which is not to try and second guess the past too much, but how much does this conversation about age and it's time for them to go change if the Olympics have played out originally as scheduled in 2020 and we're still coming out of the momentum of 2019? Mm-hmm. Also balance against the fact that if it were a normal Olympics, it would still be an 18-player roster. Alex Morgan would be out for um, maternity leave. Um, so that opens up another forward spot, a critical forward spot. So there's a lot of different factors going on. So I'm just wondering how you think the conversation... Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's quite as pointed yeah. <laughs> as what has happened over the past, you know, between the pandemic break, Carly Lloyd actually taking time off in the pandemic to have surgery as well, and then also complete another rehab period and come back and, and come into the team. I will say with Carly Lloyd in not just the goal scoring but I think the mentality has always been her strongest point and I think it has frustrated people and has rubbed people the wrong way but I also think that that has directly contributed both to the longevity of her career but also has contributed to some of these huge big game performances I mean the 2012 Olympics 2015 coming up with two goals in the bronze medal match 
the time that she did get on the field in 2019, I mean, she immediately scored goal in the in the group stage game as well. She thrives in big moments for the most part, especially over the the latter half of her career. Yeah. And I think it was very hard to argue against if you're going to put a player on the field that is going to <laughs> make a difference in a very crucial game. Carly Lloyd had pretty consistently proven she could be trusted with that responsibility. Right. There's a calculation there. It's not just the tactical contribution. It's also the mental contribution of someone who's not going to crumble at that moment. Because as we saw, mentality was hugely important in this Olympics. It was probably the central talking point around this team where we were like, something is wrong. And even the team was acknowledging, yeah, we're having discussions about like, where was that, uh, the Megan Rapino quote, like we can, we can choose to play like, <laughs> yes, a word that we cannot put on this podcast or, or we can play well and <laughs> right. go win the bronze medal. And so, you know, the, the team kind of obliquely also addressed it, but they did acknowledge, yeah, this is an issue that we're having to talk about together. So, we, yeah, when you have someone uh, with a known record of being like just coming in and can change the game, even if she doesn't, the the mental cascade that, that might be able to send through a team, I don't think you can discount that. Right. All right, so for, for Carly Lloyd's, the final stages here, we've got four upcoming friendlies in September and October. The locations and opponents have not yet been announced. And we also have the tail end of the season with Gotham FC. And Gotham FC, also, I, I a lot of focus is going to be put on <laughs> the U.S. Women's National Team part of this, but Gotham FC does have kind of a legitimate path to not just playoffs, but potentially you know, making a, a run here, which Carly Lloyd's club career has never quite hit the same heights as country. Yes. So I think that there is going to be some extra weight there. And I think also you can't necessarily rule out the club side of this, that there is a little, it, the, the friendlies are going to happen before the club retirement happens. So we are going to get kind of this prolonged exit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I already made this comparison once before, but it is going to be like the end of Return of the King. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, my like, a strong guess game at Red Bull Arena, Harrison, New Jersey. Congrats. I think it's Halloween. Yeah. Halloween is going to be the final regular. Yeah, but for, like, a farewell game for mm-hmm. Carly Lloyd, they'd be fools not to. True. Assuming that they can, you know, there's um, stadium logistics and right. stuff like that. right. Uh, in terms of Gotham, the interesting thing, though, is that they work without her. Yes. So you bring in Carly Lloyd, and do you fiddle with that midfield, or do you, like, replace Ifi Anumanu in that nine position when Ifi has been doing great things? So unfair for her to get pushed aside for someone who's been gone when she's been proving herself consistently in that role. Like, she rescued them recently uh, at the last minute from, from losing to Louisville at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... If Freya Kuhn can find a way to successfully integrate Lloyd to maximize someone like Ifeonumanu, I'm all for it. Like, tinkering with her little midfield, maybe bring back... This is not a Gotham FC podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> I sidetracked. But it is interesting, you have someone like that coming back, big name, Olympic bronze medalist, and you have plenty of soccer reasons for not putting her on the field right away, and plenty of business reasons for absolutely putting her on the field right away. Right. 
it will definitely be, I think, an interesting few months. But in the meantime, obviously, I think a lot of people were waiting for this announcement. But I think that doesn't necessarily change how we are going to approach and, and talk about it. Um, Carly Lloyd is definitely a player that has a huge amount of fans, has has plenty of detractors. Plenty of detractors, and I think that's also part of the Carly Lloyd experience, having covered her now for quite some time. But I think it is going to be a really interesting changing of the guard here. I think the pieces that are going to come out about Carly Lloyd's legacy are going to hopefully grapple with several different things. And, you know, there's the meta questions as well. It's like, to what extent does a player's on-field behavior dictate, you know, their legacy or how we remember them? Um, You know, she might have done great on-field things, but she's also said some kind of wibbly off-field stuff, you know, talking about kneeling being a distraction and, you know, stuff around the anthem where standing where her teammates might be demonstrating, like during the Olympics, and just looking like she kind of... I, my perception, once again, not to go too deep, is maybe that, not that she doesn't believe in this stuff, but that she just doesn't care. It's a, she, Like she said, it's a distraction to her. And Carly Lloyd has Carly Lloyd brain, where she's like, I care about the game that's in front of me, and maybe is not on the same vibe with her teammates. Like, But there's bigger things happening here. I think it's also a generational change, too. I mean, Megan Rapinoe is obviously, in her generation, it has a very different approach, but I think that there is just a very different approach, and it's just a question of what we expect from athletes, right? right? And it's a question of privilege. Like, she has the privilege of being able to ignore this Mm -hmm. and be like, well, sports are not political for me. They're just sports. Right. And that's probably part of a longer conversation that I'm sure that we're going to have at some point as we continue to digest, you know, what does it mean to have a legacy? What is legacy? Like, how do you how do you leave it? How do you perceive it? What do we have a right to perceive? What do we have a right to hold as part of somebody's legacy? Yes. And I think, you know, I wrote this in the headline as well, but one of the things that she would probably point to first is the fact that she was actually able to mend the rift with her own family because that was such a huge part of her career where she has basically chosen her career over her family and those those bridges have finally been mended. So I am kind of curious to see her own approach to this news and how she talks about it because, again, you know, she's made a lot of references to people trying to push her out the door. And... <laughs> Now she is actually on her way out the door, and so how how she will talk about it, how she will maybe reflect on some of her choices, I think is going to be a very interesting and revealing part of this journey for her. I think she already started it. You might have seen her Instagram story where she had her like welcome home from the Olympics party, where they had like they got some big sheet cakes with her her face on them, and um. I think she's she's ready. She's she's ready. She gave a lot of pre-Olympic press where she kind of all said the same thing. It's like, I'm contemplating the next step. She yes. might as well have been waving a big banner that was like, I will retire immediately <laughs> following the Olympics. But it was balanced against all of us like knowing Carly as well and her always being like, I like you don't make me leave. I say when I leave. Mm-hmm. And directly, basically referencing like Jill Ellis and her staff before the Ananofsky tenure where she talked to um, me and several other people about like it felt like you know they just didn't want me around or they were trying to get me out or whatever 
Like she, when asked for clarification, she was like, yeah, I think that's coming from Ellis and her staff. Right. Well, either way, we will have a few more months with Carly Lloyd on the field. We will obviously be covering this, um, not just the U.S. Women's National Team games, but I'm sure if not just me, uh, both of us will be at that final Gotham game as well. Thanks for joining our breaking news coverage. You can go to the athletics headline section for much more on the story. You can also check out Full Time with Meg Linehan wherever you get your podcasts or ask your Google assistant to play news from The Athletic. You can also visit theathletic.com slash headline pod to save 33% on an annual subscription to The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.